a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. How do you build a fiber network in two of the country's uh, most economically distressed counties? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Johns. Thank you for tuning in on Facebook Live and on uh, the podcast. My guest today is Mark Patterson, uh, who is the CEO, uh, general manager with Highland Telephone up in uh, kind of the northeastern part of Tennessee and the southeastern part of Kentucky. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Andy. Glad to be here. We've been working with Mark and with Highland for quite a while. um, But uh, I saw some numbers that came out recently um, with the uh, some of the economic numbers for each county, and um, they they were naming the poorest county in every state. And I saw that one of your counties was the poorest in Kentucky. One is the poorest in Tennessee, and I thought that's a good reason to have Mark on for uh, an unfortunate reason, but at least a good topic to have Mark on. Uh, by the way, I should say, we're if it sounds a little bit different, we're here at the Expo area at NTCA's Our Time Conference, and uh, so if, if there's any background noise, it's not background noise, it's ambiance. So, uh, But Mark, let's get into it. So... Um, like I said, you, you serve um, primarily three counties, and then two of them, Scott County and McCreary County, were named the poorest in their states. Um, why did you and the board, going back a couple of years, why did you and the board feel it was so important to build a fiber network there? Well, fiber is the, is the medium of the future. I mean, you can build a, a future-proof network if you do fiber. Um, the electronics might change at some point, but fiber is... You know, it's going to be there. It's just, it, right now you can put it in the air, and you know for the next fifty years, it's it, you know it's not going to change. It doesn't have the the problems that co- copper had of degrading or, or breaking down or stuff. So, you know, it was the the uh, medium of the of the future. We had a great opportunity in that we pl- applied for one of the American Recovery Act grants and were awarded one of those, which was a combination grant loan for $67 million. So it was a 75-25, 75% grant, 25% loan. So we, we've got skin in the game. We had, sure. to, we had to you know repay for part of the loan and stuff. So, But we decided that we needed to go for this because it was an opportunity for us to look at a way to provide a service uh, to our service, to our Members, members that if we didn't do this that you know it, it might not ever happen for them nobody else is beating down the door to get in there well but, we're we're the co- you know we're a co-op area right. we're the areas that none of the big companies wanted in the, in the 50s there was no service in so the, the 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 members formed their own company and that's where the you know the telephone co-ops came from so we're doing that uh as a service now to back to the customers sure now the area that you guys serve is uh, it's a beautiful area. They've got the uh, Frozen Head State Park, the Obed River, National Wild and Scenic River. They've got the Big South Fork Fort. National Recreation Area. Yes. Uh, Daniel Boone is at the National yeah, Forest in McCreary County, Kentucky. We have the Daniel Boone National Forest is there. It's beautiful, but it's not an easy place to build a network. So, what were some of the obstacles you guys faced when you were building this thing? Well, the it's typical Appalachian mountain, you know, terrain. Uh, everything's aerial, all rock. You can't bury anything. Mm. Uh, it, the uh, a lot of ups and downs, very steep verticals. Uh, we had one area that was a seven thousand foot build that the contractor looked at and said, 
we can't even take equipment. They had to, they had to literally work themselves just by manpower up the side of the mountain to, to get to where they needed to go. So yeah, there was a lot of challenges. Uh, the, uh, you know, remote areas that you have to cover and being a co-op, we provided service to every customer. We had the engineering firm come to us and so you're building a mile and a half of fiber to serve one customer. Yes, we are because we, we're the carrier of last resort. We provide service to every customer in our service area. Well, I know for a fact we've, we've been up there uh, doing the magazine work for you guys and all that. We have driven through a little creek to get to somebody's house, and it's like, you know, these folks have fiber out here. Yeah. You, you have, to, have to drive through a creek to get there, but they've, uh, they've got fiber. What, um, so with the economics playing into it, and, um, you know, it depends on what metric you use, I'm sure, as to which areas are more economically distressed than the others. Um, but how did, uh, how aware were you guys of the economics and what kind of, how did they play in, uh, in terms of building the network? Obviously, we talked about geography and the land, but how did the economic uh, conditions play into the plan there for you guys? Well, I mean, when the, when the interstate system was built in the 60s, before that, Highway 27 was the main north-south route, right. and it passed right through our service area. So there was a lot of traffic moving from Michigan to Florida that came right. that way. I-75, when it was designed, moved 75, excuse me, moved 25 miles east of there, and it basically took out the you know took took the interstate out of the our service all area that traffic and yeah. all the traffic so what we did was basically made sure the information superhighway was able to pass through oh, our area by I doing like that. that so we weren't left behind on the information superhighway so it really helps with economic development we you know we do uh we've lost some industry especially in the 2007 2009 downturn we had we had some industries that you know that were national concerns that were just they they shuttered the plants they closed them and they haven't really opened back up but we've had other companies that have moved in one of the great things that having fiber is we've just been working with uh with one of the industrial boards in the chamber of commerce i was going to ask you about that yeah is to uh bring in like a call center except instead of having a call center it allows people to work at home so they're looking they were hiring 50 people they had 110 applications for 50 jobs that were going to have people work at home and by having high-speed fiber into their homes right they, they're going to do customer service and customer support from home uh since then i think they've decided to move it up to maybe 75 positions okay and that's something they could not do without your fiber being there. No, no. They, I mean, we have a world-class network. Everybody talks about some of the things that have been built in the other cities and different things and all things like that. I mean, we are totally gig-capable to every place we serve. And, I mean, we serve some 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 hills and hollers, Absolutely. as they say, yeah. that, in that area. Right. And, uh, you know, we have – I actually had a, uh, a guy that was, was a programmer that had a cabin – in the Obed area on the river that came out of Atlanta on a regular basis on the weekends, and that was his weekend retreat. And he since told me that, you know, I have better connectivity here than I do in Atlanta. I spend wow. more time at my cabin now than I actually do at the house, and I can do more work here. That's awesome. Yeah. And that, that's really a testament to what you guys are doing. You mentioned the gig. Uh, that was really kind of one of the last things I wanted to talk about. Um, 
because I think folks would be surprised. Uh, you guys have had, I know from working with uh, some of your staff, um, you've had a big increase in gigabit customers lately. You guys have we, I mean, we put a, good a big number. push on uh, to explain to the customers that what having a gig service can do for them, um, and we've really put an emphasis on it. And it, it's amazing. You know, we have we have approximately eleven thousand broadband customers and of those a thousand of them have moved over to a gig wow so yeah it's it's quite a bit of you know now it also is enticing to uh businesses and stuff that move in i mean we we can do 10 you know we can do a a a 10 gig circuit into a large manufacturing or something like that if they need it through active e uh so that's you know we we try to work closely with the uh, Chambers and Commerce, Chamber of Commerce in all three counties, and with the industrial board. So when they bring in, uh, when they bring in a potential client to move Prospect, into the area, yeah. you know, it used to be, do you have water and do you have sewer? Now, one of the top question is, what kind of broadband connectivity do you have? Right. So having fiber is a big plus for economic development. What do you think it is that? Um that has, I mean, that because that's a big number. If you've got eleven thousand and a thousand of them are on gig, what do you think it is that's driving those folks? I know you guys had had uh, reduced the price a little bit. What's causing that? I mean, what what aside from the just that need for speed, what do you think is causing well, that many the, people to go for a gig? For uh, from the business aspect of it, on health uh, care, okay, we deal a lot with uh, with uh, rural health clinics right. that don't have a radiologist on staff. They have to send their their x-rays out but if they have gig service they can use broadband to send that service to send the x-rays out and almost instantaneously have it read by a radiologist a hundred miles away and if somebody's got a broke arm or a broke leg that you sure. know they tell them what it is they you know do all the diagnosis and it's almost instantaneous so we do that those are uh, giant files too those yeah they're giant there. files right. we have a lot of the healthcare. Uh, under the medical records, new medical records rules, they have to back right. up their stuff every night. So, by having gig service, that really helps them. Sure. We have uh, we have a large manufacturing firm, uh, JDS Technologies. I think you're actually doing a mm-hmm. article in the magazine this uh, month right. about them. Uh, they ha- sell products all around the world, and they have you know connectivity is very important for them because they right. their, their guys are sending CAD files to companies in Europe and the Asian Rim to to look at specs on things and stuff like that. So it, right. it's very it's yeah. very important for companies like that. They need that. And again, they couldn't do it without you guys. The last question I had for you, what advice would you have uh, for somebody that's either um, kind of partway through a fiber build or thinking about expanding some more fiber uh, in an economically depressed area like where you guys are? What advice? What have you learned along the way or what advice would you give them? Well, the most important thing right now is take advantage of the grants that are being offered by. The state of Tennessee was great in that they put a grant program in place in the last two years. Uh, the first year was a $10 million. Uh, this year they upped it in uh, 18 physical year 1819 they've upped it to 15 million we hope the new governor is going to even do better than that right. since he's from a rural area and will sit knows the importance of having broadband in the area so take advantage of the of state grants that are offered the the federal grants that are out there uh different agencies i know we're working with uh appalachian region commission sure. uh where everybody you know the rus uh, the new uh farm bill that has the grants in it and stuff so there's a lot of opportunity plan and think that's the other thing and don't be afraid to say and when you look at it and say you know i only have my population density can't can't support this 
we have a population density of about two customers, maybe two and a half customers per mile. Wow. So, you know, if you don't do this, if you don't find a way, if a company doesn't find a way to serve all their area, their customers are going to be behind and they'll never have an opportunity to catch up. Right, exactly. I think that's a, that's a good motivation to have. Well, Mark, thanks for joining me on this episode. Andy, thank you. Great. He's Mark Patterson. He is the general manager of Highland Telephone in Tennessee. I'm your host, Andy Johns. And until we talk again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.